Hey, y'all. So quick disclaimer before we get into this episode. This is a prime example of what it sounds like when men do not talk. You ask them one question and they go off into the, a tangent. They tell their entire life stories and they simply don't stay on task. So I did have to edit this podcast, which is my first time editing anything ever in my life, period. So um, one section may sound choppy um, or you may not be able to hear it. But, you know, coming from somebody that is somewhat of a perfectionist, at this point, it is what it is, y'all. But nonetheless, this is a great episode. These guys have some great backstories, some great insight. Please share this with your guy friends. And don't just share this with your guy friends. Check in on them, okay? Ask them about childhood trauma. Ask them about things that happened in their past and how it's affecting their future, okay? Do it so they don't emotionally vomit all over your podcast. Keep listening. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the hashtag Truth Challenge podcast, where I talk about the whole truth and nothing but the truth in regards to young adulthood, relationships, and mental health. Today, joining me are some longtime friends. I got Josiah, William, and Mikey on the Zoom. Everybody introduce yourselves. Josiah, you up first, bro. Yo, yo, what's up? Um, I'm Josiah Kinsey. Uh, right now, I reside in Atlanta, Georgia. I am I graduated from Bethune Cooking University, 2017, with my uh, bachelor's in business administration. Now I'm getting my master's in clinical mental health. Um, I'm on the last leg. I got one more year left in my major. So, and I just uh, got into the army as an officer, first officer in my family. Uh, so yeah. That's just a little brief history. Also, you can follow me at v.patriarch.j on Instagram. Um, I also am a (laughs) certified personal trainer. Okay, turn up. Out here doing stuff. All right, um, William, you up next. Tamir, you're on mute. Oh, oh, my bad, y'all. Okay, William, you up next. Hey, just I you mute yourself. <laughs> okay. So my name is William Stitt. <laughs> I am originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. More specifically, Coral Springs, but Period. I just say Fort Lauderdale. Um I also graduated from Bethune Cookman um in the spring of 2018 with a bachelor's degree in mass communications with an emphasis in broadcast production technology and i am currently pursuing my master's degree in digital marketing and i have known tamia for i want to say since 2014 i believe so yeah we've been friends for a while and now i'm on her podcast Period. Okay. Um. Next up, we got Mikey. What it do, Shawty? Hello, how are you My name is Kenneth Willard, aka Mikey. I'm from Fort Pierce, Florida. I just recently graduated from Thune Cookman, literally this spring of 2020. Um. Now, my next, my next goals, next, the next thing I plan on pursuing is become um become an officer in the United States Navy um as far as we're going to going for officer candidate school which will lead to my actual um, my actual true desire of becoming a future attorney in down the line down the line in the future um I've known Tamia as as my friend said before since 2014 as well um yeah it was 2014 um you know it's been a blessing to know her it's been a blessing just to be a part of this and I just want to say you welcome, Sugarfoot. Okay, so real quick, um, as y'all know, I'm doing some of these group um, podcast things through Zoom. So um, I just want to say just because y'all, I'm talking to the boys right now, just because y'all can't hear me don't mean they can't hear me. So <laughs> they over here like whispering, like unmute yourself, like everybody can hear me. It's it's all right. Okay, um, William, what's going on? Um, I forgot to say that I also minored in psychology during my undergraduate. 
career at Bethune Cookman University. Um, what's going on though is I don't know. <laughs> you had your hand raised. I'm like, yes. Yeah, because I had forgot. In the classroom. I, I forgot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, also, I minored in psychology, so I just I forgot to say that. That was all. That's wonderful to know that you minored in that. Okay. Um, also, don't forget to use the chat, you guys. Okay. You can you can chat and type stuff, and I will see it. All right. Let's get moving on the topics. Okay. So we're talking about mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I wanted to get the male perspective, specifically the black male perspective. And we're going to start with uh, Josiah. And I want you to kind of explain your first experience with mental health or where you feel like you had any type of issues or you felt like you needed help, whatever that was. Okay. So... Uh, to my knowledge, I can date back to probably like after I first graduated out of college. Um, people don't really talk about the grad depression transition when you're leaving from college and you're out in the real world, and it's just and it feels as if everything is basically getting thrown at you. You and you, you know, I guess you can say that when I was in school, I felt like I did everything right. I made sure I had good grades, mm-hmm. made sure I was in uh, school activities. Um, you know, leadership positions, all that stuff. So I did all that stuff, and I thought I was prepared. I interned and everything like that. Um, but when I got out of school, you know, I did not land a job. I applied at a bunch of great places. Uh, I mean, talking about Charles Schwab, EY, uh, you know, the big, the big, the big accounting firms and everything like that. And I'll make it to the last part of the interviews, and I, you know, wouldn't get through. Mm-hmm. So, um. But that did not deter me. You know, I always kept my faith. Uh, I was, I mean, honestly, before my before my depression, I was a very, very confident guy, very confident person. I always believed in me. I learned at a young age uh, that if you don't believe in yourself, then nobody will believe in you. Mm-hmm. So you got to be your first, your first investor, right? No matter what is going on, no matter what people say, what's going on. Um, and I only learned that through my own childhood trauma of you know some family not even having my back. Right. You know, my mom or my dad not even having my back. And so it was just like, I got to believe in me. And I learned this at the age of like 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, so after, so when I graduated, I, I came off this high, I guess you can say. Because when you're in school, when you know a lot of people, you're doing all these things. It's almost like you can't lose. Right. You know, you, you've been so blessed to do all the things that you've been doing. And you didn't even imagine you can do this stuff. Yeah. But you're trying every day, you're working hard, and you're doing what you got to do. So I got to school. Now I'm outside of the four walls of Cookman University. It's like the world made me feel so small again. Mm. And I understood that. I'm like, you know what? We're back at the bottom, but you've been, to, you've been at the bottom before. It's time to work your way back up. So it's just the fact that, dang, I got to work my, my way back up again. So uh, I graduated. You know, some of my peers, they got jobs. I didn't get the job I wanted. And I moved to Atlanta, and it's really starting to literally hit me. Like, I got all this time to myself. I'm a person where I got to stay busy. Like, personally, I have to stay busy. Like, I got to feel like I'm doing something productive to make me better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, for like three months straight, I was doing nothing. So, and I didn't even know I was depressed or Mm -hmm. having anxiety when when it was going on like i told you i was always a confident person Mm -hmm. so when the stuff started happening to me i'm shocked i'm like what the freak is going on me i don't understand then you have these intrusive thoughts that that are coming to your head like oh yeah i don't know what i want to do now you're questioning a whole lot of things right and it's scary it's scary because when people when i looked at myself when people looked at me it seemed as if I always had my stuff together. Or at least I'll try, you understand what I'm saying, to put myself in the best position to win right. as an African-American male. Um, so when this was happening, when it felt like I didn't have no control over my life, it got really, really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and mind you, my mom died uh, two, two years before I even graduated. Mm-hmm. So 
even that was weighing on me because when I'm in school, I'm so busy. My hands are so busy. I don't really have time to grieve. Right. And it took me to graduate to really think back. I'm like, dang, I never grieved. And, mm. and, and then I had to look it up and there is a grieving process. Right. There's a process to grieving. And yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And when I started reading, I'm like, oh man, I can, I relate to this. So I'm checking everything out. So, mm-hmm. so I'm dealing with graduating with no job. I, I got a girlfriend at the time that's really not supporting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm dealing with my mother's death, yeah. you know? So all that literally is hitting me at one time and I'm starting to worry and get anxious because for the first time in my life, I don't know what to do. Right. And so it got to a point where, you know, me and my girlfriend, that started to get toxic. It started to get bad, but I'm in a position where like, I don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. So that put me deeper in a deeper hole in depression. And honestly, uh, I think that's when I started to really notice mm-hmm. everything. Cause my, my thoughts were so pessimistic. Right. I'm always an optimistic person, but when you have somebody else around you that, that, that can't, uh, well, lack of better words that cannot pick you up in your down moments. Yeah. Like it gets worse. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it worsens it. So, um, so I started like, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest. Cause you know, first of all we are friends and we all know we have purpose in our life so i may help somebody down the road so like i remember one day i'm in it's summertime i'm in atlanta i just got here and like i just cannot find a job i'm trying i'm trying finding a job is a job in itself let's be real oh yeah and i'm trying so hard to a point where it's like i'm just in my sister's house all day and it's so frustrating I, I like I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I contemplated suicide. I never wanted to do it. I contemplated it. Like mm-hmm. man, I just will it will it will it feel better if I just not be here right now? That's how deep of in the hole I got. Right. Never. I was never that type of person. Look, I don't been through some stuff in my childhood to where I should have been gay. But I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. And but when I get to this point, it's like, you know, what the heck? So. And let me tell you, the only thing that stopped me from not even going through with it, it was just thoughts, but what stopped me from going, not going through with it, I'm thinking about it, I'm on the floor at my sister's house crying. I'm on the floor, and I'm, I'm having these thoughts. And I, I feel like I heard God tell me, if you end it now, you will not reach what I have for you. Mm-hmm. Literally. He said, if you end this right now, you will not reach the things that I have planned for you. Wow. And I... And I and then from that point on, that's when God started to do his work. But before I talk about that, so, you know, I continue throughout the summer. And like I said, I'm in this relationship where it's, it's the relationship was toxic, y'all. It was a cancer that was slowly killing me as a person, as a man, as an individual, slowly killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she telling me wild stuff. Like, so I finally ended up getting a job. <clears throat> so I'm on the job for a few weeks. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna be here forever. I don't plan on being here forever. Right. But for right now, this, this, it will suffice. So I talked to her. I'm like, yo, listen, this, this, and this. I don't think I'm gonna be here forever. So she says something along the lines of, oh, um, you, I, oh, she said, my worst, my worst nightmare has come true. I have a man that don't know how to keep a job. And that hit me, yeah, man, that hit me hard. Oh, she and fired. when you're going through depression and anxiety, you believe just about anything. Mm-hmm. You believe just about anything. So I'm like, dang, like, what if I can't keep a job? Like, I'm like, I'm scared because the world is, the world just, it's like it's brand new to me. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm like, dang, okay. So it's like, I just kept going deeper and deeper into like depression. So now you have these thoughts and now you're not sure yourself. You're doubting yourself. I'm starting right. to lose weight. Um, when I speak in front of people now, I don't feel as confident. I feel small in the room and I never felt that way right. ever in my life. Have I felt that way? So, but when you're in depression, you get these thoughts and you don't believe in yourself. You know, yeah. it's something. And, and, and I used to tell weakness all the time. People could tell me I can't do nothing. They've been telling me I, I can't do nothing my whole life. Mm-hmm. But when I tell myself I can't do nothing, that's when life got scary for me. Yeah. That's when life got real scary for me. So um, so time passes on. And mind you, I can say like, I probably was dealing with anxiety, depression for a year and a half and did not know what it was or what to call it. So mm-hmm. I could tell you 
one time I'm uh, I'm driving. Uh, I'm heading back to Daytona actually for the first time in a long time, and I got my first like anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think I called you right after I got off the road and I was like, yo, I said, I don't know what just happened, but I just like just got an anxiety attack. And I felt so anxious. One, because I'm back in this atmosphere with my ex and I don't know what you understand. You understand? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And two, I'm still like in between jobs trying to figure everything out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so I get this anxiety attack, man. I'm on the road, it's pitch black dark outside. And for some odd reason, you know, I'm having these intrusive thoughts that come out of nowhere that's telling me, yo, just drive off the road. Yeah. Like, legit, just drive off the road. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And it scared me to the point to where, like, I didn't want to do it, but I felt like my, I felt like my, um, but I felt so weak and so scared. Like, I felt like I was about to just do it anyway. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I finally get to school. I call Tamia, and I'm like, yo, I, think I just had a panic attack. This and this, about me. You know, Tamia talks to me. Um, and what killed all that was when I finally got to the school, I seen people that loved me. Mm. I'm talking about my frat brothers. I'm talking about my brothers. I'm talking about my best friends. Like, people that genuinely love you and know who you are and yeah. accept you for whatever flaws. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Love is the answer to everything. So that was all of that. And mind you, it takes you time to build yourself out of depression and anxiety. Right. I don't. I'm. I'm a believer where it, it. I don't. I don't think it truly ever goes away. But you learn how to conquer it. You learn how to master it. Yeah. You learn how to put it in its box and keep it there. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, things started to change for me. Uh, and <laughs> it's kind of funny because when I graduated, right before I graduated. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. You know, my senior, I was wilding. You understand what I'm saying? Like I was wilding. I like having, I was having fun. I was, I, I told myself, like this is my senior year. Mm-hmm. My dad always told me, that, bro, your best years are in college. So I lived my best years. So, and I mean, it's better years to come. But you know, he told me in, in my youth. So, I actually told, I actually prayed to God right before I cleaned out my dorm. I said, look, God. I said, uh, I said, I said, humble me. Mm. Don't uh, try and humble yourself before you ask God to humble you. Please do, because He will give you exactly what you want. And that whole experience, I'm not saying God gave me depression. No, I'm not saying that. Right. Uh, my thing is, He let certain things happen without intruding. Right. But He knew at the end of the day, just the res- results that were going to come out of it. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Um, so I, I low key started working on myself and building myself back up. Yeah. I let go of that relationship. I got let go of toxic people and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I need to start thinking on my own yeah, and believing in me again. And in that process, the only way I knew how to do that was rely on God mm-hmm. because God knows who I am. And he also created me to do a specific thing and he knows my purpose. So I got to a point where through my depression, I'm like, well, I had a friend. She went off, we was both in Atlanta, didn't have no job. And she finally got a job making $75,000. She was like, I'm like, yo, I'm so happy for you. It's amazing. So she moved away, you know, like two months later, she was like, yo, just like, I don't like this job. I'm like, yo, what you mean? Like you making bank, like you sleep, you tripping. She was like, no, it's not what it seems like. This and this, baze, baze. And when she told me that, I went into a deeper depression mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, if money don't, you know, right, help you, I don't know, help help you get out or feel better, what is it? Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's when I changed my direction, I guess you can say, and started focusing more on the things that God had for me. So what I started chasing after was purpose. Mm-hmm. What I started chasing after was identity. Um knowing who I am and knowing whose I am. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So every morning to this day, when I wake up in the morning, I ask, I ask and I pray to God, God, today I want to work on purpose. Right. That's all I want to do. Yeah. I just want to work on purpose. Because the pur- once you do the thing that you are created to do, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feeling of fulfillment. 
Like nothing, mm-hmm. money can't buy that. Right. Money can't buy purpose. When you're working in purpose, money can, I mean, it's a feeling you get where money just cannot buy that. Right. And you get up every day attacking it, going for it. Yeah. So, um, out of my little spill, I say, uh, ask God for purpose. And mm-hmm. after I start asking God for that, having gratitude, being thankful for what I do have, I started growing more as an individual and as an African-American man. Right. Um, I started, I got back in school, started studying clinical mental health. Um, I started mentoring out in the community again. I started speaking again. I started my own fitness thing again. So everything that I like to do, like I, I, I gained myself back through him because yeah. he showed me who I am. So if y'all get anything from what I just said, uh, purpose, money can't buy purpose. Do what you are purpose to do. Pray about it. Period. Okay. Josiah, that was great. You touched on a lot of great things of just, you know, admitting to how you're feeling and trying to express that and, you know, letting people know, you know, when you're having anxiety or when you're struggling and, you know, just going through that process of finding yourself and finding what happiness means to you. And that's so important because that's the only way you can go. You can't find happiness in things. It's literally on the inside of you. Um, William, you're up next, honey. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. So, um, I was thinking about this and I was trying, cause there's so much and I was trying to figure out where to start with it. So I think, I think I, I guess I would start in college just because college was a pretty pivotal uh, time in my life. And um, I can remember being formally diagnosed um, with social anxiety and clinical depression mm-hmm. when I was in my freshman year. I want to say I was a freshman, either a freshman for my freshman year or my sophomore year, but I'm pretty sure I was a freshman getting ready to go into my sophomore. And back then, like, you know, I was I was taking like this medication, but it wasn't it wasn't anything like serious. It was like it was the smallest dosage possible. And so eventually, like, I didn't take them anymore because I felt like they weren't really doing anything. And Mm -hmm. I just kind of felt like, you know, I was like, I don't really need this type of thing. Mm -hmm. So fast forward a few years later, still in college, but. And I, I'm, I know Josiah and I had talked about this before. The level of depression and anxiety that I had experienced freshman year was a whole nother demon, a whole nother beast by the time I got to like my junior year, senior year. Yeah. And I think it was almost like, it almost made it feel like, you know, what I was dealing with before was nothing type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that I had I had dealt with a lot of traumatic experiences, um, but I had to kind of deal with them on my own right. for the sake of, you know, manhood. Um, mm. I wouldn't necessarily say toxic masculinity because I don't think I had that issue, but definitely had the issue of like, I can't I can't appear weak. Right. So I'll internalize it all. Mm-hmm. And basically just poison myself from the inside out is really what I was doing. Wow. But, um, yeah, so fast forward to after, I know I'm, I may be all over the place, but you okay. after, like, post-graduation, um, well, no, not post-graduation yet. I will say, like, there were, I was always dealing with a lot of things, whether it was Family, family was a big thing for me. I had a lot of um, family issues that were hard for me to deal with. And I didn't know how to get help with them because I didn't want to be a burden to my friends and Mm -hmm. to the people around me. And I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be the friend. It's like, here he come. He upset about the same thing. Mm -hmm. He talking about the same thing, saying people that did this, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like that. But I was like drowning in these problems right and you know it was like 
I just didn't want to be that bother. So it was it was hard. Um. So anyway, fast forward to I also want to touch on. There's I've got so much more I could talk about, but I'm gonna <laughs> just move on for the sake of time. But um, okay. fast forward to post graduation, and it's just like Josiah said, like it's the world. You're at a you're at a starting point again, mm-hmm. and I think that it's a good thing and a bad thing, you know. Yeah. But one thing that it was it was a reality check, and see, for me personally, I had a full ride to Bethune Cookman, so that was my. I used to. I've told I've told people before, not many people, but a couple of my friends. I I learned that Bethune Cookman was one of the things in my life that was consistent it was consistent and i knew that it would always be there you know what i'm saying like daytona was there like i had even though i hated being in daytona (laughs) but cooking was there and i had my friends you know what i'm saying yeah and um but i also had to like learn that i still i can't you know it's, it's gonna be time to go soon and i remember telling my friends it's like you know i feel like i'm running out of time Mm. and sure enough like when it, i did five years i was supposed to originally graduate in spring of 2017 but i ended up graduating because this i changed my major a few times i ended up graduating in spring 2018 mm-hmm. um and when it when i left it was like yeah like i'm i'm glad i'm gone i'm glad i'm done with school but at the same time it's like what's next because i didn't right. know and i really felt like i had run out of time so anyway um there wasn't a lot of stability for me in in my opinion there wasn't a lot of stability in my family mm-hmm. um i guess when it comes to like emotional support and i dealt with a lot of dealing with that mm-hmm. so i think a lot of what i was looking for was a foundation sort of like a um like oh and i like my parents are divorced so that's mm-hmm. that was my parents got they split up when i was 14 years old Actually, I might have been younger. I might have been like, yeah, I was like 14. I was 14. Um, and a little backstory on that. I actually moved to Daytona when I was 14. I started high school there to live with my grandparents. Okay. So a little backstory, but we may get to that later, maybe. So anyway, after college, I really just, to, I think one thing I can say overall, all those years leading up to that, um, it just, I really felt like a burden. And I mm. felt kind of like just certain things that I had made mistakes I had. And there were things that I um, I knew I could have done better. But right. I, in everything I did, I can say that my heart was in the right place. I didn't always go about it the right way. Yeah. Um, but my heart was always in the right place. So, uh, but yeah, after college, it was hard. And I, like I said, I didn't really feel that emotional support from my family. Right. And there were a lot of issues in my family. So I just, I dealt with all of that. And yes, you know, the started to get, you know, contemplate suicide. I was never completely mm-hmm. like suicidal. Right. Um, But, or maybe I was, I don't know. But I just, I know it was something that I, I never, I was, I definitely contemplated it. Yeah. So... I feel like I'm I feel like I'm summing up a lot because there's there's so much to it. But yeah, um, I'm thankful for my friends because without them, you know, it's like it was it would have been a lot worse. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's still today. It's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some days are better than others. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like. I'm finding it's it's even though my faith goes up and down, I still I can still say like I know that God has a plan. It's hard for me to even say that sometimes because sometimes I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying it, you know, because at the end of the day, like I'm looking at things that are even happening in my life right now, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm just like some people that are being introduced into my life right now. It's like wow this has to be God because mm-hmm. this is like, you know, this is crazy. It's, yeah. And you know, that's one thing I forgot to say throughout college was also throughout the years from my freshman year to my senior year, 
I started to lose hope. Mm. And I learned that that's a really dangerous thing because yeah. I know, I don't know where it says it in the Bible, but I know somewhere it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And that basically is like when you lose hope, you actually get sick. Yeah. And I really started, it was some things, it was some things, man, I went through with family. It just, it hurt so bad. And yeah. it was almost like, Oof. yeah. It was almost like, wow, like you can't even look at people the same way. You yeah. start to you start to question like everything, you know, yeah. then you then brings trust issues. And yeah. it's it's I'm telling you, it's a lot. But um, but yeah, so I'm just glad that I kept going. I actually ended up after graduating. I'm, I'm going to cut it in a second because I know I'm going kind of long. But um, after graduating, I actually stayed on campus for a year so from 2018 from fall 2018 to spring 2019 i was still on campus but i wasn't a student well actually i was a student but that's another story for another day it's a funny <laughs> story but anyway um i was on i was still very active on campus as an alum as a new young alum and the cool thing about that was even though i was it was it was good and bad because i'm still in daytona and I still am in certain toxic environments and things like that, but mm -hmm. I'm still around like this consistent environment, you know, right. Bethune Cookman with these, you know, different support systems and all of that. So mm -hmm. and a familiar, familiar faces and everything like that. So I feel like at the end of the day, it was a, it, it was a blessing it was it like I said. It was pros and cons to it because Daytona ain't the place you want to stay, especially when you didn't just graduate from college. It's not. It ain't the place. I would right. say it's not the place you want to start your life. It's the place you want to kind of wind things down and right. retire. <laughs> so anyway, um, I did that, and then I, you know, I got. I'm now. I started pursuing my master's degree in September of last year. Mm -hmm. I'll be done with that later this year. And I and I'm just you know I'm just it's been really hard to just keep going. Yeah. And even today it's it's really hard. Yeah. But like I said, I have my friends and I have my family. You know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not gonna say my family is just like you know because everybody every family has their issues and I think that's where forgiveness comes in. Yeah. Like I've been really really learning how to forgive. Mm -hmm. That's been a years ongoing process through the years. Um, but I feel like I know it more now than I had, than I have ever known it. So I'm thankful for that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's been a lot. I struggle with intrusive thoughts. Them intrusive thoughts are, they're yeah. a lot. Yeah. And, you know, you, they don't just go away. No. Um, but I struggle with that. <laughs> you know, I've always struggled with my weight my whole life. So that, that's played a, a role, um, but and I, you know, it's like every day is a fight. It's just you yeah. just gotta fight. So I'm yeah. thankful that I am continuing to, you know, to keep going. And I, that's, you know, that's where I'm at. So. Period. Y'all better come on here with the transparency. I'm so here for it, uh, William. You touched on some great things. Just tying in like relationships, like growing up and seeing, you know, things that were just toxic or experiencing toxic relationships and how that tied into your experience and your perspective of the world or the relationships that you were in. Just environment is so important to our mental health and you don't realize it until you start repeating the toxic behaviors that you saw. It's like things that were unconsciously engraved in you start to come out like emotional vomit later. Like, it's crazy. Okay, next up, we got Mikey. Mikey, what was your first experience with any type of mental health issues? Go. You know, what's up? Um, hearing, hearing you guys talking about, you know, your experience with mental, mental depression anxiety, your emotions, just letting it all out. Um, I would say my first encounter, I would feel, I would say that 
my first encounter with uh depression i think that would um i think i encountered was growing up in fort pierce um where i'm from now i don't really know too much what depression is what anxiety was none of that but looking back at it i would like to say my first my first experience with it, with it was i want to say when i was in high school in fort pierce mm-hmm. um there's various reasons but before i get to them it's happened to my family so I come from a I come from a very extremely supportive and loving and close knit family, mm-hmm. um, close knit family, where um, everybody is, you know, everybody basically knows each other's life almost inside and out, just about um, from what I see today. I mean, I always say, um, but however, growing up, that that's all I was around. Um, I was very very close knit with my family growing up. Um, I didn't start like hanging with friends and going out with friends. I want to say to like my senior high school. When I went out when I was a senior, I barely went out, barely went out. So as far as with social, social being social, um, socially inclined on a consistent basis, I would say it would be with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, grade school, being in grade school and whatnot, you know, um, communication as far as when it comes to communicating with somebody. I mean, I only made like a select few friends in high school, high school, middle school and whatnot. Right. Because it was at one point in time where when I was growing up, I was so inclined on on who liked me who wouldn't like me right and i was growing up um i would like to i would like that i don't blame it on it but i would say that the reason why i was focused on it is because it seemed like it was nothing but a popularity contest i was mm. mainly focused on stuff like that um when i was growing up you know i'm in grade school my family they were a family that said that you know this family of education you know, you name it, you name that person in the family, they got a degree or they might have two degrees. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so they really instill education. So when I was growing up, my parents always said, you have no choice, you're going to school. You're going to college, <laughs> you're going to college, you're going to college. Right. To the point where I just feel like, okay, well, this is going to be a job. So it was. It got to the point where I already knew I was going to college. Not because I said I was going to college, because my parents said I was going to college. Gotcha. Um, I already knew that after high school, well, when high school was coming, okay, I guess it's time for me to start applying to college. I didn't, I didn't like have the urge as in like, okay, well, shoot, bro, you know, I'm really about this, I'm about to do this. I just feel like, okay, this is something that's imperative for me to do. You know, my people are still in my mind that, okay, well, you ready to start applying? <laughs> you guess go, let's get it. Right. So, you know, uh, now I feel like the first encounter when it came to depression was when I was in high school. Now, growing up, I was very, I want to say, some people would say to this day um, that they felt that um, I could have been, like how I said, coddled or fed with a silver spoon. Now, to this day, I agree and disagree with that at the same time. Okay. Now, if you want to talk as far as with, um, I didn't come from a poor, poor background, but I know I didn't come from a rich background as well. <laughs> uh, I want to say just, you know, typical American, middle class, family. Right. Um, when I was growing up, when I, from, um, when I was a baby till literally my senior year of high school, me and my parents, me and my parents, my sister, we stayed in an apartment the whole time. Majority of my childhood, stayed in an apartment, grew up in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, the apartment, even though the apartment, the room was, you know, I didn't have my own apartment. Ariel and I shared the same exact room in the apartment for all those years so until I turned 18. Mm-hmm. When I turned 18, that Christmas, that Christmas break my senior year, that's when we finally moved into a house. Moved to a home. Um, I moved into a home. I call, I, call it, I call it home now, but when I first got the film cooking, I didn't really consider it to be a home because, shoot, I was only there for, what, three or what, three months at the max, and then I slid, mm-hmm. um, while everybody else was there for, you know, for, like, years on a consistent basis, and that makes any sense. Yeah. So, now, when I got the Bethune Cookman, I consider Bethune Cookman to be, it's a blessing. As I said, today, today I'll say it was a blessing, my experience with Bethune Cookman. But when it came to the anxiety and depression, I ignored it. I ignored mm-hmm. it, but I kind of... I, I didn't deal with it. I didn't deal with it the way I feel like I should have um, on me today. Now, when I was growing up in high school, my mother and my father, we were going, you know, going through some certain things. And um, with my parents, with my parents, you know, I growing up, I thought that, you know, they can't do no wrong. They're great. They're great. My parents, you know, they really kept their, their marriage very private, even from the kids. So mm-hmm. if I were to hear something around the time, I'd be shocked, you know, because they really kept private. Right. But to the point where I was becoming a senior, um, me and my dad, growing up, we never really too much had the best relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the time, growing up, I couldn't pinpoint why it was. It just seemed like we were just like, 
like he was just fire and I was like it, it just was like complete opposite right so it seemed like you know me he and I we weren't really too much on communicating like communicating like the being my mom we were well, still are extremely close always close now always close now always close now. my dad which I thank him I thank him for today my dad was very blunt and very harsh to me with this and because I would say probably because I was a son, as far as when it comes to my sister, he wasn't too much blunt about it. But being his son, he used to tell me all the time, I can't curse. He used to say, the world don't give up about you. The world mm-hmm. does not care about you. Um, you know, once you go on to the world, he used to tell me stuff like this when I was 15, 15, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they don't care about you. You know, you, you're a black man. Nobody's not going to care about you. You know, everything's not going to be given to you. Um, your, um, my mom's side of family, they spoils you, they spoils you, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're blind, you know, you're blinded, you don't know what's going on. My mom, she didn't like my, my dad to tell me that. So, right. you know, my mom used to say, you know, tell me, you know, so I'm gonna stop doing it. So obviously me being so close to my mom, I believe my mom's standpoint over my dad's. Cause right. he and I are as close around this time, you feel me? Yeah. So I automatically be my mom. Um, but when I found out when I was a senior, I want to say in January, it was a couple months before I, before I graduated. January, I found out my mom, I was literally playing. I love video games. I was playing video games in my room. Mind my business is playing video games. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was playing the new 2K on PlayStation. And my mom came in the room. And my mom came in the room. When she came in the room, she uh, she came in the room. She came in, like, very extremely, like, extremely sad. My mom's a very happy-go-lucky person. So it threw yeah. me off a little bit to see her sad. But I was so drilled into 2K. I was like, oh, she going to be all right. So I kept on playing. Kept on playing before the sun. I kept Lord. on playing. I know it sounds selfish, but I was kept on playing. And as I was playing, my mom, she got in front of the television. And I'm like, oh, I can't see. I can't see. I can't see the game. I can't see the game. And my mom started crying. Now she started crying. I paused the game. I right. said, what are you doing? You okay? What's wrong? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really see my mom show too much emotion like that. You feel me? Around that time. My yeah. parents kept their marriage extremely private from their kids growing up. Mm-hmm. So all, all of it came out when I was about to leave. But so like um a mom used to tell me when I was growing up all these things when it came to women. Like, you know, she going around um messing around with other women. If you're in a relationship, you're married, she was always telling me, if you do, I'll beat you behind. You know, <laughs> I grew up I grew up in a family where I got a lot of whoopings, got the most got the most I'm gonna say compared to my sister. Oh, um so my mom used to always say, you know, when it came to women, if I ever find out you disrespecting a woman, she said she can be a hoe on the street. If you ever find out you disrespecting her, I'm going to slap you in your face. <laughs> so my mom always told me, you know, to be extremely respectful to a woman, no matter what. Yeah. So I really too much didn't pay no attention to it. I was like, okay, mommy, you're all right. Okay, okay, cool, cool, yeah. Never, okay, I won't. Until when I was um, about to leave, my mom told me, told me that um, she was saying me and your dad, you know, things don't really too much going too well. I don't know if it was a sense that she was just feeling vulnerable around that time, extremely vulnerable, because mm-hmm. she usually keeps that stuff away from us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my mom, you know, I told me that, you know, my dad, my dad was, um, you know, messing around with somebody else mm-hmm. outside of the marriage. You know, I only hear stuff like that happen on TV. That's how cuddled I was. So, you know, right. so, you know, I heard that. When I heard that, I really thought she was joking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, my dad, he would never do nothing like that, you know, because, like, you know, y'all, y'all, y'all feel, you know, y'all raised me, you know, to be this type of man, right. be this type of dude. So me, you know, I'm thinking, nah, this can't be true. My mom, you know, she was telling me it was real. Yeah. It was real. And, you know, when I found out that caused a, a very, even more deeper disconnect, like Grand Canyon level disconnect between me and my dad. Yeah. So, you know, I viewed my dad. You know, this is one of the first times I black encounter where I was actually angry at somebody for a consistent basis. Mm. You know, it. I, 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 I would say, yeah, I think around that time I even hated him. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. I, I feel like, I feel like I really hated him around that time because I'm like, dang, mm-hmm. understand this? I almost said that where this man did this to my mom. You know, it was you know really messing around, messing around with my mom, my mom, nothing but good to him. All those things like that, and um, you know, I'm thinking, why? Just why? Yeah. You know, because I feel like when she when he cheated on my mom, I feel like he cheated on Ariel and on my family, just the family. Right. And so, like, um, I was extremely upset about that. And as we were getting, um, as I was getting ready to graduate, it just seemed like those months it seemed like the disconnect just kept on growing mm-hmm. and growing and growing. Which is one of the main reasons why I was so anxious to leave Fort Pierce. I was so anxious to leave Fort Pierce. Um, 
I didn't really too much look at it as anxiety or, you know, I mean, well, no, not anxiety, as the form of depression. I just felt extreme. I felt like a prisoner in that house. I felt like a prisoner. I was just ready to go, go, go. Right. So, you know, just to get away, I didn't want to go because I just wanted to go cause and something. I just wanted to get the heck out. Yeah. So when I when I graduated, when I graduated, um, things still were in disconnect between me and my dad. But I never forget. I think BCU, I graduated in, I think, May. May or June, something like that. I graduated. I didn't look back. I didn't even hesitate. <laughs> Cook me a month will start till August. I left immediately to go to Daytona. Yeah. I like I ain't I ain't I ain't even take no time with it. I slid. Yeah. I slid and I left. He told me, um, one of our frat one of my frat brothers, his name was Dr. Porter. He told me, Yeah, bro, I think we're gonna be able to get you back in school this spring semester. And he told me, Yeah, y'all say, Wow, that's great. And I even told my parents that. And when I found out, I found only say like three weeks later, he told me, Nah, you know, uh, the, uh whoever said the state couldn't fund 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 uh, fund you. So when I found that out, uh, what I did was, I remember even the chick, the chick, um, she, you know, she used to tell me, I feel like my sense, my sense of wanting to do this grew off from what dealing with other people. This person, you know, was extremely toxic. They used to even, they used to even threaten to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. They, used to, they used to even try to threaten to kill themselves, even around me, talking about suicide to the point where it worried, it worried me a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt that I had a responsibility to make sure this doesn't happen. Even though around the time it wasn't, it wasn't my responsibility. I didn't, I didn't think about that. I just thought about saving someone or you know trying to help heal someone. Right. You know, when I found, I learned the hard way. I can't do nothing to save nobody. I can't heal someone's mental state. I can't heal no one's emotional state. They're gonna have to go. After, they're gonna have to go after that yourself. Right. You have to tackle that yourself and try to heal yourself, heal yourself the best way that you can. Now, I he told me no. I went, I went straight, I went straight to the house. I, I bought, I bought a big bottle of Hennessy <laughs> and I started drinking. Okay. It got so bad to the point where I didn't need chasing for Hennessy no more. I started drinking it straight. Lord um, mercy. It didn't bother, it didn't bother me no more. You know, it, it was some point in times where it felt like water. Sometimes I didn't even feel drunk at some point in times to the point where I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to kill myself. Because I was like, you know, life ain't going to get better for me. You know, this is this is what what's going on. I was like, this is what's best for me. Yeah. Even when, you know, growing up, people tell me I'm supposed to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to help people, help lead people. You know, I see a lot of money in your life. It's just, I was bamboozled around the time. I was just like, I just don't see this life, baby. I don't see it. I don't see it. Right. I see what I see now. And I'm on the verge of doing it. I'm on the verge right. of letting it all go. <laughs> so what I did, um, only I think only one, I, I don't know if I told told people the actual story, but I did. I got out the house. I got out of my apartment around four in the morning. I went to the beach. Mm-hmm. Went to the beach, and I was extremely drunk. Extremely drunk. The story has a little bit of humor to it mm-hmm. as well. But when I went to the beach, it was extremely cold. Extremely cold outside, but I did not care. Because that all had me feeling hot and ready and warm. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking this is it. So what I did when I when I got to the beach, when I got to the beach, I was gonna go ahead and just walk into the <laughs> walk into the water. And as I walked into the water, I don't know if this was God telling me, no, nah, son, just say that. This is not how you're gonna go down. When I got in the water, the water felt extremely cold, right? Extremely cold. To the point where I didn't feel drunk no more. So what I did, I turned around and I went straight back to my car. And I went home. <laughs> so, you know, around that time I was like, okay, well, I'm still here. I don't know if I'm ever gonna get out of this, but I know I don't have the I don't have the guts to let it just let it go. I feel like that I'm not built like that. I'm not the type of person to do it. So, however, what I did was this. Oh um, I still kept on oh. dealing with it. Still kept on dealing with the certain young lady, even though it was toxic. It was very negative. I feel like I couldn't get no better. I feel mm-hmm. like it can nobody wanted to deal with me. You know, especially I'm not gonna. I feel like you know I was never gonna get my degree no more. Stuff like you know, don't nobody want to deal with somebody. Nobody want to deal with somebody that um, you know, that isn't educated. My family told me that as I was growing up too. Mm-hmm. You know, you just make sure you get educated. You know, then you go out, go out, you know, for somebody and whatnot. But however, over the summer, over the summer, things were, you know, this person, she graduated. Over the summer, things 
still got worse. And when it came to the beginning of this school year, this past school year and fall semester, I found out, I found out in spring, in the summer that, um, you know, Cookman rewarded me a whole bunch of money. I had more than enough money um, to get back to VCU. Okay. And, you know, they gave me a lot of money. And when I saw that, I looked at it as like a door, you know, as in like, you know, a sense of hope. Like, you know, all right, I'm in the tunnel, but I, I kind of see the light. Even right. though it might be like a smidget, like a little light bulb. I, I see the light from afar, from, from way afar. Mm-hmm. So what I did, what I did was this. You know, I just started praying, started praying, started thanking God. Even though I haven't run out of time, I think I even haven't prayed to God in a long time. So, you know, someone told me just to get down and he's prayer. Now, when it came to me that fall semester, when I first got in cook, I got back into cookman. Um, I was still dealing with this person, though. still dealing with this person fresh into fall semester. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened was, this is where um, I feel like, you know, things happen for a reason. My mom, I was at a president's assembly. <laughs> and uh, William can tell you this, this is when William was around campus. I was at the president's assembly and the president was speaking. And as I was speaking, this young lady was blowing up my phone and came kind of like blowing it all the way up to mm-hmm. the point where I couldn't focus, couldn't focus. And I actually, I actually told this person I was talking, you know, I was, um, I was actually watching the president speak. And, um, yeah, she basically, in, in, uh, what's called a more appropriate parent term, she just told me she didn't care, basically. She didn't care. So, you know, it was extremely stressful. My anxiety started going up. My level of anxiety, I feel like I started experiencing anxiety when it came to going back and forth with this person. My chest started feeling heavy. I felt like I couldn't breathe at some point in time. And so, like, um, I was like, I was like, dang, bro, you know, you know, dang, like, this is why. So I told William, I told William what was going on. Um, but as I was walking to the cab, I was going to get something to eat. My mom, someone to my mom that told me, told me that my mom was in the hospital. Now, when I found out my mom was in the hospital, I don't know what happened, but all everything broke loose. I was behind the plot, behind the block, breaking down on the quad. I was breaking down, and you know it's about like hundreds of kids on the quad. And you know, I had to go behind behind like the AC, and I started breaking down and whatnot. Cause I'm like, dang, bro, like my mom, my mom is in the hospital. I don't know due to what, whatever was going on. And I told this person, told this person what was going on. She told me she really so much. All the time, she told me she didn't care. All she was worrying about was, all she was worrying about was, you know, what was going on between she and I. But long story short, what I did was, you know, I got the guts and I got the guts to, you know, just to cut everything loose. And as I cut everything loose, I started living my life a little bit better. Um, you know, it was a slow progress. I started working out. My mental state started getting better. And I started getting a little bit stronger. Um, so, I mean, where I'm at today, though, I, you know, I'm thank I thank God, you know, for graduating, for having the opportunity to graduate, graduate and whatnot. Now when it comes to the <laughs> when it comes to the <laughs> post grad depression. When it comes to post grad depression, I can't really too much speak too much on terms of it on terms on it because I just finished. Um but mm-hmm. one thing I can say is I did learn about that through my peers. You know, some you know, some of the things that they may experience, some things they may have gone through, um, some of the actions they may have took, you know. Maybe, you know, I can take that, take that, you know, take those notes down and know how to deal with it in a certain sense, deal to through other people's experience and whatnot. You know, so I'm just thankful for that. Amen. Amen. Now that Mikey has told us his life story from 10 years back <laughs> up until now, y'all, okay, if y'all heard me laughing, I was not laughing at this baby's pain, but I'm laughing because... We all try to make him be quiet. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. Mikey, we're going to check on you more often, okay? Because it's very apparent <laughs> that you need somebody to talk to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, literally, we've been in the group chat, like, wrap it up, Mikey. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let the church say amen. Okay, be mindful of the time. And this baby kept telling another story. <laughs> Every time we said wrap it up, this baby started a new story. Oh, Lord have mercy. We didn't use up all our time. Okay, okay. Ooh, that was funny. That was funny. Okay, the story is not funny, y'all. Don't get it mistaken. I'm not laughing at the stories. I was there for a lot of that. Um, we've all experienced a lot of hardships, but 
we gonna Mikey, we're gonna get you some um uh some, you know, talking sessions and I'm gonna call and I'm I'm gonna check on you more often so we can, you know, sort through some stuff. Okay. Anyways So lastly, um for me and we can do a part two since we only did one um one question pretty much. Um, for me, I think that my first experience that I remember with anxiety, like the rest of you all, was kind of in college. Um, I dealt with depression when I was in high school, but didn't really know it as depression. Like, I just thought I was sad. But I remember um, I was in class one day and I had just finished taking a test. And all of a sudden... Like my heart started beating really fast. Like I started feeling like really anxious. I started losing the feelings in my fingertips. And I thought something like was happening with my body. Like I didn't know what was going on. Like I couldn't breathe. I was almost like hyperventilating. So much so that I went to the um, urgent care. (laughs) I was like, somebody got to look at me because I can't feel my fingers. Like I feel like I can't breathe. Like am I having a heart attack like do I got asthma did I develop asthma at like 23 and the guy was like (laughs) the guy was like do you have anxiety I was like no I was like I wouldn't know that like I'm a psychology major I wouldn't know if I'm having an anxiety attack and he was like okay well you're fine and you can leave I was like oh no he didn't So that was my first memorable experience of just like having a full blown like panic attack. Um, Before then, like I said, I had experienced depression and anxiety, but had never defined it as that. And I think that's something similar in all of our stories of struggling with our mental health, but having no definition that that's what it was. And maybe that's something we can touch on next time, but we can't right now because Mikey... (laughs) Mikey took up all 45 minutes uh, and 28 seconds of our time. Anyways, um, Mikey, I just want you to know, it's been great having you on the podcast, bro. I want you to know that I was listening to everything that you said. Um, and I just, this is making me more aware that I just want to be here for you more. Okay, that's it, friend. I just want to be here for you some more. Okay, anyways. So that was just kind of my first experience. And of course, like you all have said, it's been a struggle since then. Um, We battle with things. And I think um, William said it, one of y'all, William Josiah, that it never really goes away. You just kind of learn how to conquer it and like live above it. But it's kind of like always there. And there's days when it's heavier. There's days when it's stressful. And I think the most important thing for me and I think for all of us is when you get to that moment when you're actually defining what's happening and then you're choosing to do something about it, whether that's simply acknowledging how you feel or going to therapy or getting on a medication, like whatever it is that you need to get through the day or get through the moment or the week or the month or the season, we have to acknowledge it and get help um i started going to therapy last year i ended up stopping for various reasons but that's something that i want to do again because i think that it would be very helpful and um maybe on part two we can kind of talk about what you all are doing to actively like self-help like what are you doing now to Help yourself get through hard seasons, tough times. Because like I said, the common thing that I'm hearing in all of these stories is that mental health issues were happening, but nobody was saying anything. Nobody was saying, oh, this is depression. This is anxiety. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. It was like it was just happening and life just kept happening. And maybe it's not that no one really cared to know what was going on with you, but it was just the ignorance of it all. So it's just like, well, we just going to keep living, you know, bills still got to get paid. I still got to go to class. I still got to go to work. I still got to live. So we can, we can touch on that next time, but I want to thank you all for joining me. These have been long 
long, long, long time friends of mine. Um, most of the stories that you heard, um, I already knew about or I was a part of. So we've had an experience of, you know, just kind of sharing our stories and relating to one another, which has helped a lot, like William said. And I think Mikey said as well, just kind of having your friends around and having people around you that believe in you or that you can relate to has been so helpful on the journey of mental health and trying to be better and trying to do better and learning to feel my feelings. Um, so you all have been very important and very crucial to the story. Um, and I think that we've all played a part in each other's stories. Um, I want you all to um, quickly just give your IG names. Uh, Josiah, you already gave yours because you think you famous. Um, <laughs> William and Mikey, William, you go first. Um, any social media, anything you want us to follow you on? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at underscore willpower underscore. That's underscore W-I-L-L-P-O-W-E-R underscore. Period. Mikey, where can we follow you at? Shouty? Uh, Y'all can follow me on IG, Instagram. It is Mikeonomics, M-I-C-A-H-N-O-M-I-C-S. Period. And I will put that in the um, IG stories when I start posting everything in regards to this podcast. Y'all, this has been another episode of the Hashtag Truth Challenge podcast. Thank y'all for listening. Please subscribe, rate, leave a comment, and share it with your friends. And we will catch y'all on the next episode. Peace.